Hello everyone, I'm Felicity Emmett, Senior Economist at ANZ and with me today is Eliza Owen, CoreLogic's Head of Australian Research. We're here today to talk about the latest edition of the ANZ CoreLogic Housing Affordability Report. This edition has a particular focus on the rental market. While we always cover rental affordability in terms of our main metrics, this is the second time we've really homed in on the rental market and affordability in the sector. The last time was in 2020, when the sector was faced with a very different set of circumstances to today. Then the rental market had weakened sharply, particularly in inner Sydney and Melbourne, when international borders closed and the shutdowns resulted in a disproportionate loss of income in industries where workers were more likely to be renting. Now, the situation today is quite different. And since 2020, there's been really quite a rapid uplift in rents. Eliza, can you talk us through what's happening with rents and how that's actually affected affordability for the nearly one third of Australians that rent? Yeah, hi Felicity, thanks for having me. It is really amazing just to go back and look at the rental market and see how much things have changed. Like you said, at the onset of the pandemic, we had that initial weakness in rents, but by late 2020, that had turned into an upswing. And overall, since the start of the pandemic, rents are up 26% nationally. Over the past couple of years, we've regularly been reporting annual rent growth of around 10%. So it's very different, not only to the onset of the pandemic, but I would say to the entirety of the 2010s, where your annual rent growth nationally was only averaging 2% a year and was pretty much in line with headline inflation. So now we've seen this rapid uplift in rent values in dollar terms. It's an increase in median weekly rents of about $455 a week, bottoming out in September 2020, to $570 a week at, at the median level. Now, if we compare this to household incomes, um, the portion of income required to service new rents nationally has increased to 30.8%. Uh, and that's the highest level since June 2014. So rental affordability has deteriorated uh, at the national level. Uh, it's deteriorated more rapidly across the regional market overall, uh, where you had the portion of median income required to service rent sitting uh, at a low of 28.5% in mid-2020, and that's now come up to 33.1% um, as of the end of March. And Eliza, it's really both supply and demand driving this, isn't it? Yeah, there's so many factors at play, a kind of perfect storm which has contributed to continued upward pressure on rents. On the supply side, you have things like a higher interest rate environment, which has increased mortgage costs for investors quite a bit, even relative to the sharp rise in rents that we've seen. Um, we would estimate that since the upswing in rent values, weekly national rents have gone up by about $115 a week. But due to the rise in interest rates, a typical investment mortgage 
uh, at the median dwelling value level, assuming a 20% deposit and, and average interest rates, that's seen a, an increase of about $318 a week. So that's probably put investors off and slowed the supply of new rentals coming to market. We see that in EBS lending data as well. Over time, um, for, for a sort of longer term issue, you've got the decline in social housing, where even in new dwelling approvals data, you can see the portion of dwelling approvals owned by government have fallen from you know, 9% in the 1980s, 90s, uh, to an average of under 2% for the past five years. So that means you've got less of a safety net and more people on low incomes in particular competing for private rentals. Uh, and then more recently, you've got the construction space, which is just uh, kind of plagued with issues that are related to inflation, uh, supply chain constraints, tight labor markets, so even the delivery of new housing, whether it's for owner occupiers that might be renting at the moment and waiting for a new house, or just new fresh supply that investors could take advantage of and add to rental stock, that aspect has been constrained. And then on the demand side, you've got uh, really two main forces. The first one was the change in household preferences that we saw through the pandemic, fewer people per households particularly in the share housing space, which has required more dwellings. And then your other big demand piece has been the more recent return of overseas migration, where around 85% of overseas arrivals rent when they first come to Australia. So that's massively adding to demand at a time when supply is constrained as well. So, so given those drivers and looking back to the metrics, what markets are starting to see um, signs of stress in rental affordability um, the most? Yeah, so overall, as we sort of said at the top, since the onset of the pandemic, the biggest increase in um, housing costs from, from the rental market have been concentrated in the regional market. Um, and we've also seen more of an overall increase in houses. But your demand has really played out in two different waves where at the start or, or towards the first stages of the pandemic, I suppose, late 2020 through to the end of 2021, demand for rentals was really concentrated in houses and in regional Australia. Uh, now we've seen a kind of second phase of demand that's much more driven by the return of overseas migration, people returning to cities. And so that started to see a more recent acceleration of rent values in your inner city markets, in your higher density markets as well. So the three months to April this year showed a pretty rapid increase in rent values across Sydney's eastern suburbs. So houses and units were up over 7% in terms of the imputed rent valuation. Um, Melbourne inner market houses, rent surged around 6% in the past quarter. So that's really of a reflection of some of the most popular markets with overseas migrants. Uh, and then in terms of the regional uh, market, that's actually where we're starting to see some easing in rent growth. Over the past year, regional rent values have uh, gone up about 6%, uh, 
uh, compared to this time last year, where the increase in regional rents would have been double digits and over 10%. Yeah, so with that change in demand drivers, we've seen a shift in the pressures, haven't we? And even in some regions now, actually rents are falling, aren't they? Yeah, so some regional markets like units in the Southern Highlands, rents have fallen 10% from their recent peak, including a 5% drop in the three months to April. House and unit rents across the southeast of Tasmania uh, have both seen a pretty sharp drop off over the quarter as well. Uh, most of the markets where rents are falling right now are regional Australia, and I think they reflect people essentially moving away from markets that have just become too unaffordable for them. And we've seen that in migration data for the Gold Coast as well. Uh, rents across the Gold Coast are still 40% higher than they were at the onset of the pandemic, but growth has slowed to almost zero. And the underlying migration trend is showing that the Gold Coast has also been knocked off the top spot as an internal migration destination. And people are now veering towards Logan Bow Desert um, as an example of, of a much more affordable housing market to become the most popular internal migration market. Mm, yeah. So after, you know, those regions not really seeing people leave through the shutdowns, they are starting now. But so when we look at the overall market, you know, it's a pretty tough situation for for renters broadly. But we know that lots of renters are actually on lower incomes. So when we look at particularly the, that lower co income cohort, how are they doing in the rental market? Yeah, that's a really good point because, as you say, we know that lower income households are more likely to be concentrated in the rental market. They tend to face more housing stress there as well. So what we tried to do in this report was really highlight where the crisis and where the housing stress was most concentrated by examining specifically low income households. So if you look at the median level, okay, a bit over 30% of income is going to rent values and, and that's probably quite manageable. If you look at the 25th percentile income level across Australia and compare that with the 25th percentile rent valuations, there your income to rental costs is sitting at almost 52%, which is really extreme. Um, and probably quite unmanageable for a lot of households. Within that, we've seen a really big jump in a deterioration of rental affordability across Perth. So for low income households uh, across Perth, the rent costs were uh, estimated to be around 39% of income. That's jumped to about 52% uh, as of March. So uh, we've also seen the probably the worst uh, situation for low income households across Hobart, where about 60% of 25th percentile income would be required to service 25th percentile rent. I mean, so that really suggests that in reality, there are some low income households that just actually can't pay for their rentals. You know, they just they just can't afford them. And so, I mean, and that's consistent with what we've seen over the past few years with this, um, uh, uh, you know, increase in demand for 
for housing services and, you know, consistent with the drop-off that you talked about before in the um, decline in public housing. So so what does it mean for, for that cohort of people? Yeah, you're exactly right. At the end of the day, these affordability metrics that we're producing are hypotheticals. It doesn't actually mean that someone is spending 50 or 60% of their income on rent. What's more likely is you're getting a reaction from those low-income households, whether it's more overcrowding and, and more and more people having to live together in order to try and alleviate those rental pressures, or maybe they are in a really vulnerable housing situation. Maybe they are leaning on homelessness services. Uh, and with less of a um, public housing focus as well, uh, you know, the Productivity Commission has been reporting an increase in reliance on homelessness services really since 2012. Every year that's been increasing. Um, but notably in the financial year 2020-2021, 114,000 people were turned away from homelessness services. So I think that whole situation has probably been exacerbated by the rental market that we're in. And it requires some, uh, you know, probably more resourcing and addressing for those services that, that are helping people in more vulnerable situations. Mm. I mean, you know, more services for the homeless people is one part of the solution, but there obviously are uh, a number of solutions that were required for the broader housing problem. I mean, what do you think, you know, in terms of short term, long term, are the the part of the range of solutions? Well, long term, it's definitely got to be supply uh, at, at the end of the day, even if it's not specifically social and affordable housing, although that, that would be great to see as well. But even additional private um, sector rental accommodation will at least help to ease some of the housing pressures through filtering effects. In the short term, however, given where the construction industry is at, given where interest rates are, I think it's unreasonable to think that supply is going to be a short-term solution. I think you're more likely to see reaction from tenants trying to stay put for longer and negotiate with their landlords rather than battle it out in the private rental market. And CoreLogic has actually observed an increase in rental hold periods through the pandemic, which suggests that might be happening. Um, RBA uh, data is showing a little bit of an uptick in capital cities on, on household size. So that suggests people might be going back to share housing. Uh, and I guess from a you know, more institutional or government solution, you'd probably hope to see more funding and resourcing going through to those services that help people in vulnerable housing situations. Mm. Yeah, so it really seems like there's, there's no really quick fix. And there's potentially, you know, still a difficult time ahead for renters. So thanks so much, Eliza, for all your insights and for a great report again. Oh, thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to Blue Notes. This podcast was produced by the Blue Notes editorial team with music by Kevin McLeod. Blue Notes is a publication of ANZ Banking Group.